Happy Thursday evening, everyone. Sarah and I are going to look at 2 Peter 3 this Thursday night, and we're glad to be doing this with you. Um, we just put Abigail to bed, so hopefully we won't have any crime jags, but we'll see, I suppose. She's quiet right now, but we'll see. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're looking at 2 Peter 3, and if we remembered what, how we ended with 2 Peter 2, that was a big diatribe against false teachers and about those who turn back to what they originally, you know, the Second Peter ends with those two Proverbs, one of which comes from uh, the book of Proverbs. You know, the dog turns back to its own vomit, and the sow is washed only to wallow in the mud. Uh, a bit of a wisdom literature turn there in Second Peter, which shouldn't be surprising. Uh, he's a, this is a very harsh word against those he considers to be false teachers in the church. So now we get to chapter 3, and now the, the writer is going to address the, the accusations. Well, where is the promise of Jesus' coming? It's been a while, he hasn't come back, so now what? So I think we're going to start with, cha- with chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, and we're going to stop and discuss that section. <clears throat> And then we'll discuss the last section after that, 14 to the end. So, okay. Do you want to pray first? Um, yeah, we can pray first. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, thank you for joining us together virtually, if not physically, to study your word. Open the words of these scriptures for us and sustain us in the promise of your son's coming again. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, 1 through 13. Okay. This is NIV. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens existed, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? 
You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Okay. What do you notice in those verses? The relativity of time. Yeah. Definitely. And even right now, you know, time feels different than it does when we're not quarantined. Yeah. It reminds me of the meme I saw on on Facebook about a week ago. Hey, remember March? What a year that was. And often January feels like a year. Yeah. Well, because you can't leave the house and and the weather's terrible. Weather's t- yeah, but now it's it's odd since yeah. now we're getting into spring finally, and and uh, we need to stay at home. Yeah, so in some ways, the last month has felt like a really long time, mm-hmm. and in other ways, I can't believe it's been a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time is relative. Period. Einstein demonstrated that. So that's uh, there's no universal standard of time. Uh, there's so it shouldn't be surprising to us that God has there is no sense of you know God is not within time himself. Uh, that there is when we when we talk about in the beginning there God created the heavens and the earth many times. My confirmation students will ask, well, what happened before that? And, of course, the answer is there is no before, at least not that we can we can point to. You know, there is no before. There is no who created God, if God always was. Uh, that's very difficult for our, for our brains to grasp. We talk about God being outside of time. Mm-hmm. But God is, and yet God is clearly a God invested in history. God is a God who 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 shows up in history, in the in the life of His people Israel, and in and in one person in Jesus. So, yeah, God shows up in history, but God is also outside of time. And yet, He seems to have created a way of marking time mm-hmm. with days and nights, or at least a way that human beings could grasp. You know that so we have the days and the seasons and the, and we and we can mark time by the sun and the moon, uh, and by very clever mathematical calculations we have the calendar that we have now. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it that would be a huge that's a that's a human system certainly, of of marking it, because you know in the time the calendar we have isn't exactly perfect. No. Uh, and uh, we've always had, you know, even even now, so every four years there's a leap year, right? Yep. And, but that isn't true in years that aren't divisible by 400. So 2100 will not be a leap year. You nor I will be alive to, no. to see that. But that's, uh, you know, that's going to, that's one of the little hiccups in the calendar that that happens. So, uh, yeah. 
and our own human limitations allow us to mark time. Yes. When I was in college, I often thought how wonderful it would be if I didn't have to sleep and that I could, you know, I could get so much more done and, you know, I wouldn't be so stressed all the time. But if we didn't have that little break and time went on forever and ever, when does it end? Mm -hmm. We need that separation that rest yeah another thing I want to point out here too with that this with Peter pointing out the relativity of time here it there's a purpose for it and that's for all to come to repentance that's the purpose for all to turn their lives around there is this uh, gosh you know it was in my brain and now I lost it oh well but uh, that the sense is there. This the reason that this that Jesus doesn't seem to be have have come back yet. You know, hasn't come back yet. Not at least in a way that is obvious for everyone to see. Is because of God's patience and God's mercy, uh, and wanting to attract rather than to compel. I think that reminds me of what. No, now I got it. Now, C.S. Lewis talked about how maybe we are in the early church. Maybe these first 2,000 years are just a blip on on the screen of even, however of, of the history of the church. Even in the amount of time that has been, a thousand years is nothing. Yeah. I mean, how old is the earth? Millions of years? Billions. Yeah, four billions. point something billion. consider that. Mm-hmm. That's what our... thousand is nothing. Mm-hmm. Our lifespan is nothing. No, no, it's like a little, like a little, uh, little, little glimmer, and it's gone. You know, I think that that reminds me of uh, Psalm ninety. You know, or the that day you often quote around your birthday. Yeah, yes, the the, the days of our lives are three score and ten, or sometimes in strength. Uh, they are fourscore, but even then, their span is toil and trouble. They are soon gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And some may it, say that we think that because we are young. Mm-hmm. But even if you were older, what's eighty years compared to five million? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's five million compared to the estimated age of the universe, which is mm-hmm. something like thirteen point seven billion years? May have been updated since then, but yeah, it's yeah. a huge number. And what's that compared with uh, infinity? Yeah, a number that we it, can't even comprehend. It, which isn't even really a number; it's just uh, <laughs> it's just a concept. Yeah, you know, um, none of us are mathematicians, by the way, so we should should just say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the point is, is that that it, it does seem slow from human time frames, you know. Jesus said he'd come back, and but he hasn't come back yet. So what's going on? Well, God is being slow on purpose, but this slowness is is only slow according to our perspective. I thought that verse eight was a quoting of something, but my Bible doesn't cite anything. I thought it was a psalm or something. Hmm. 
Well, I'm looking for something. Mm-hmm. I don't see it. My Bible knowledge might be off. For some reason, I thought that there was a verse somewhere in the Old Testament that talked about that. Oh, there could be. Uh, it would probably be a psalm. That's kind of what I thought. I would I be my know. guess. But, uh, yeah, I don't I don't see it listed in, no, in mine either. And, and my Bible um, listed the Proverbs reference from chapter 2, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at related verses now. Oh, Psalm 90, uh, verse 4. That is what it is. It's Psalm 90, verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the in the night. That's yeah. ESV. Uh, but yes, that's, that's what it's from. It's from Psalm 90, verse 4. Again, probably my favorite psalm and one I should have gotten right away, but I didn't. But yeah, it is it is drawing on on that psalm there. Looking at the introduction, you know, Peter says, or this author that's writing in Peter's name more likely says, this is the second letter I am writing to you. Um, so, and this is a exhortation to remember what's been taught by the prophets, by the commandment of. Christ spoken through your apostles, those who have been sent to you. And then in the, these verses, three, you know, these scoffers, uh, that's also very similar to what you find in the letter of Jude. Very similar language. And another thing that I should note in verse 5, they deliberately ignore this fact that by the word of God, heavens existed long ago, and an earth was formed out of water and by means of water. We should point out that there is not a creation ex nihilo in Genesis 1. There isn't a creation out of nothing. Right. There is a... The water in the Old Testament is is a, is a, sign, a symbol of chaos. Yes. So God... God, the the spirit hovers over the waters as over the fate, you know, it, over the the chaos, the chaotic element in the Which universe, were, so to speak. Israelites was a symbol of chaos. Yeah, they, they were, were not seafaring people. No, not at all. So water itself is something to be feared, right? In the sense of having awe over mm-hmm. over it. So there. There, so God actually creates out of chaos, which you might argue is is worse than nothing. God creates out of something that is less than nothing, if you could even conceive of that. So there's a there's an order that is made out of chaos there, and that chaos God permitted that chaos to burst forth at the time of the of the flood, there in verse verse six. Yeah, then at first it's a controlled chaos. Mm-hmm. Yes, the chaos is always controlled. But, apparently it's... There's con- a shadow side. Yes, absolutely, yes. And apparently, the, the, the other piece of this is that it, it, was, it was water the first time. Mm-hmm. This time it's going to be fire. Verse 7. Mm-hmm. So, and, and also in... Verse 10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. That that calls to mind Jesus' own words, as well as the Old Testament prophets. This, mm-hmm. this concept of the day of the Lord 
the day of God's judgment and the vindication of God's people. You will not expect it. it you will not be able to see it coming. Right. So that there that has deep scriptural roots. And this sense here, this now I've seen I've read several different scholars on, on this, uh, several different study Bibles, I should say, that uh, this thing where the heavens are passing away with a loud noise, the elements are dissolved with fire. Uh, the New Interpreter Study Bible, the scholar who wrote that commentary, wrote that this sounds a lot like the Stoic uh, concept, uh, where the where the universe would endlessly cycle through destruction by fire. So the universe is created, exists for a time, and then there's a great cleansing, a destruction by fire, followed by a new creation. Mm -hmm. And that cycles... A crucible, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And that cycles for eternity. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Friedrich Nietzsche's idea of of uh, infinite recurrence probably or uh, I'm probably misstating the concept but the idea is that what if everything happened the way it's happening today exactly the same over and over and over again how would you live how would you live if you knew that you had to repeat this moment over and over and over again with the exact same choices that you're making right now It'd probably be the same. I think it's a you know, what that that's getting a that's a bit too far of a tangent off of that. Uh, yeah. I suppose, but this is a this is an this is a this seems to resonate with Stoic beliefs of this eternal recurrence mm -hmm. of the of the of the universe being destroyed and being remade again. I have seen a few people reference Groundhog Day recently. Yeah, not one tweet. That said, whoever needs to romance Andy McDowell, please do it soon. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> to break this. us out of the cycle. Uh, speaking of that whole concept of eternal recurrence, you know, that you, you can... Of course, Second Peter is doesn't follow that because Jesus is going to come back and that'll be it. There isn't a recurrence. The sense is that the day is going to come soon, though. So what kind of life should you be living in the meantime? Verse, verses 11 and 12. What sort of persons ought you to be, lit, be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of the Lord, day of God? Uh, let's talk about those verses for a second, because mm -hmm. those are a little odd, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, so you have this sense of, uh, of the believers hasten that day. God may seem to be slow, but believers can hasten that day. Now, I should pause to say this sort of thing has given rise to all sorts of dangerous nonsense. Different theories. Mm -hmm. How can we make Jesus come back sooner? As if that's if that as if that's up to human beings in the first place. No, the point of this hastening. Is the is part is is deeply rooted in Jewish apocalyptic thought, especially in the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus tells us to pray, "Thy kingdom come," which is nothing less than a prayer for the end of the world as we know it. 
and for the emergence of God's kingdom in its fullness. That sort of sentiment was also in the, the in in Jewish apocalyptic literature of the time. So this is this isn't anything anything strange. It's more of a motivation. How are you going to live now? Mm-hmm. How are you going to live in this day? You know, this isn't a call to twist God's arm as if you could do such a thing. This is a this is a call to you know if you if you are a Christian, then live like one, live live as Jesus did, live as the disciples did. You know, so there is an ethic that goes along with it. Even though, as Lutherans would point out, your salvation is not dependent on what you do, because if because if it were, then everything would depend on what you do. However, mm-hmm. <laughs> those 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 works certainly are the are the fruit of being saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that would be a Lutheran lens on this. That would probably not be what Second Peter intended. Yeah. I don't, I'm not. Uh, this again, we're back to that. These whole things of uh, of, of election and what does that mean? Yeah. You know, like we were back in three one. Okay, God has chosen you, so live like it, right? That's that's kind of the sense I get here. Do you have anything to add? Nope. Okay. Uh, the I just thought I'd bring up that hastening piece because it it seems odd. Uh, and it has been misused, misused. Yeah, you know, people who think, "Oh, if we establish the Jewish kingdom again, mm-hmm. or if we do this or that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it'll happen." Yeah, we can bring about the messianic as if it's age conditional. Or, or something. Yeah, as if it's conditional on what we do. Um, so there is there there is that difficulty that that's there, in the text. It makes it sound like God is a petulant child if you want to take it that way sure well because if we don't do it right you know if we don't read his mind correctly and do it incorrectly we seem to think that well i'm not coming then yeah well forget it now i'm not doing it it's like that meme where what if i don't end a prayer with in jesus name or amen god will be like well then i am not doing it Oh, so again, there in verse 13, there in verse 13, but in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home. The sense is that, again, creation is made new, that ma- that material is not totally destroyed. That's the, that's the, that's the, this realm as we know it is going to go away. But the new realm is not a totally spiritual one. And by that, I mean it doesn't exclude matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus' body was material. Even though it was a glorified spiritual body, it says that, and Paul says that it was a spiritual body. What he means is he doesn't mean it wasn't matter, because it clearly was. Luke it talks was about how he was though. eating. Yeah, he's not a ghost. You and he's not touch him. Yeah, and he's not a walking corpse either. He's not a lich, as or as or a zombie is. Yeah. So he's corporeal, uh, but he's not. Uh, 
Yeah, he's a so it is a, a physical body, but it's on a different level of, of physicality, I suppose. We're at now the last few verses here, 14 through 18. Do you have anything to add on those others? No. Why don't we uh, read the last few verses? Okay. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Hey, what's going on? Let's see, continuing, you know, know, since you're looking forward to this new heaven and new earth, you know, do your best to live a Christian life and be blameless. Yeah. Which which is is impossible, but at least make the effort. Yeah, again, this is, again, living in an end time ethic. This is a, you know, you are God's people, so live like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, that's part of that that striving. Live, Live like God's people. You, you are already chosen as far as to be God's people, so live like it. Uh, be found by him at peace. Now, that's not exactly a work, is it? Uh, be found at peace. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a very, that's a lacking thing. That was a lacking thing then as it's lacking now. Yeah. You know, it, strive to be found at peace. I find the conjunction of that phrase odd yeah it's one of those things you kind of either are or you aren't it it would seem to be you know but striving to be found at peace that's that's something i would have to chew over i'm not quite sure what that means uh being practicing being a peaceful or a peaceable person i suppose Uh, regard the patience of our lord as salvation Again, that's going back to the, the that God seems to be slow yeah, right now. So that people may be rescued. Right. It's about mercy. And then Second Peter brings up Paul. And, of course, the letters of Peter have a lot of Pauline elements in them. So most likely the author did encounter some of Paul's letters. Certainly. And... And, you know, of course, in, in Scripture, Peter and Paul have a complicated relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, P- Paul confronts Peter uh, at Galatia with, with the Galatians when, you know, Peter's, uh, Peter has no trouble foregoing uh, Torah dietary laws when he's with Gentiles. But when people from the Jerusalem church show up, suddenly he feels compelled to follow those dietary laws again. 
So, and, and Paul get, is furious about that because he sees that as nothing less than hypocrisy. So, uh, but Acts paints a more rosy picture of the, of the relationship between Peter and Paul. Uh, look, this is, a, this is an interesting commendation here. If it is from, from Peter or from a scribe that Peter was dictating to, this is a commendation saying that, hey, you know, Peter has, uh, Paul has, has written a lot of wise things. But he also points out something that is very obvious to us all, that there are some things in them hard to understand. Uh, there, <laughs> Especially in, for those who are uneducated. Well, or at least, he says ignorant and unstable here. Does what did mm-hmm. yours say? Yeah, that's what mine says, too. Yeah, it, this is the sense of, and I think the big danger that came with Pauline theology was, well, grace is here so I can live however the hell I want. And I think that was the big corruption of Paul's theology that Paul himself tried desperately to address, and Peter did as well. Uh, much of that kind of... of uh, theology got spun off into the Gnostic sects. Uh, and it, it, it's hard to build a long-lasting movement if everybody's doing whatever the hell they feel like. Mm-hmm. You have no basis for cohesion or unity. So it's, it's uh, again, this is a warning. You know, there are some things Paul writes that are hard to understand and they're easy to misunderstand. This is why we all need to read scripture together to get a sense of a, a better sense of what's going going on by our discussion. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't read scripture alone, of course, but it's better read. It, it's it's better read within a community, and uh, you know, yeah, that's. I think that would go for any any scripture. You know, that's why I tremble a bit when I give give uh, Bibles. Put Bibles in the hands of the of the of the young people of the young people at church. What was it? Was it uh, fifth graders this last time? I think so. It was fifth graders, I think, this last time. And you know, giving them that Bible, it, it, it and that what are they going? Which parts are they going to go to? <laughs> if they go to the last part of Judges, heaven help them. But then again, it probably isn't worse than what they've read before. Well, it depends on the Bible. Some of them have indexes in the back for subjects. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember looking up leprosy. <laughs> you know, like during church, I'd be looking at all the pages that referenced leprosy. Wow. I think I was trying to find the story of Naaman. Yeah. You know, and the healing. Sarah but, looked up leprosy but, at church you know, because it was so boring. Well, I was 10. <laughs> I got my Bible when I was in third grade. Yeah. So and did, yeah. I wanted to look at something, Mm -hmm. you know, and when you're, you've just gotten your Bible, you don't know where anything is yet. Right. You know, and a very helpful index in the back. I I will say it's more, often I'm more worried about the notes or the commentary Mm -hmm. in the Bible. Because there's theology in those. Yes. You know, what are they trying to put forward? And just what I suspected with the Bibles that we gave out, there was a certain perspective Mm-hmm. on the text that I thought could be helpful in some cases and dangerous in others. Mm-hmm. 
that's that's true for all theologies, of course. You know, how we read the scriptures. Maybe a better word would be hermeneutic, a, a lens. How do we read the scripture? As much as Lutherans like to say, well, we read it through Christ, there's a certain way that we view Christ, and that's the way we read it. You know. Um, well, and what's our, what is our culture? Right, Let's there's the culture about, as well. Where are we coming from? Exactly. You know, as 21st century American Minnesotans, you know, we view it differently than they would have. Absolutely. Back in the first century. We're pretty comfortable. We live a pretty charmed life. I mean, if this is the worst thing our generation goes through, we're, this is, uh, this is, you know, we're being told to stay home and sit on our couch mm-hmm. and, and not go yeah. out. What was the meme I saw? Your grandparents went to war. Yeah. You know, the least you can do is sit on your couch. Yeah, really. So looking back at Paul, I mean, yes, it's easy to, to, and this is also unfortunate, when people come to sometimes different honest interpretations of the scripture, there's an accusation, you're twisting it. Um, but this, this is not Second Peter's concern here. This is a concern with false teachers who are twisting every scripture, and every scripture can be twisted for another end. You can find... If you want to justify slavery, you can do it with Scripture. You want to justify genocide, you can do it with Scripture. It wouldn't be a Christ-centered hermeneutic. You'd be using a Christ-centered lens. But there are verses for pretty much every occasion. Sure, yeah. So that's why it needs to be, that's why Scripture is a whole. It has to be read as a whole, not by cherry-picking verses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Context. That's why it's so dangerous to proof text. Professor always talks. Well, context is the number one rule. There are others, right. but context is first. Mm-hmm. So we have this final warning: don't be carried away with error, uh, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that it ends with a benediction and a and a blessing, a doxology to Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. That's where it ends. So, what do you think? Any thoughts about this letter? How it? No, really. I mean, just that it's trying to guard against temptation, certain challenges being raised. Mm-hmm. Building up the body, you know, mm-hmm. keeping the Which keeping I the can, body integrated. I'm sure that the criticism, you know, people who mocked Christians were like, "Look at those people; they're following someone who." Um, left and hasn't come back. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, he was killed in the worst way possible. Yeah, and how foolish that must have seemed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when you hear those criticisms, and it's a new, you know, now it's the status quo mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. But then it was a very small group, and those kinds of criticisms would very much make someone stop and think, why am I doing this? <laughs> why am I doing Yes, it would. You know, it, it was a, there was an easier way. And, and I, we, I do have to note again, that first century Christianity, the first century Christ followers were in a, such a wildly different context than we are mm-hmm. in, where we're in a church where you can participate or not. You can show up, you know, we're, 
where being a Christian means showing up to church on Sunday, maybe two Sundays out of the out of the month. You know, that's basically it, it's it's a very bourgeois Christianity now, uh, it, and it's you know I I think it's not surprising that the that the church is declining in numbers because it, it just just doesn't hold the it's just not as compelling as it would have been then and even 50 years ago if you were considered a decent person you went to church yeah absolutely decent people went to church that's right now there are other ways of raising decent people oh yeah and now where we find the church growing is in the the global south you know that's where the church Mm -hmm. is growing where there are significant challenges uh where there you know we have our own we have other challenges in the west but it seem they seem to be the challenges of our own decadence mm-hmm. they're first world problems mm-hmm. yeah well thank you for joining us we are going to take a week off we're going to figure out what we're going to read next we'll see if we can get some study guides out ahead of time uh you know We'll we'll get back to you in a couple weeks. We look forward to joining you. We're not sure what we're going to read yet, but Although we'll figure something out. if anyone has any suggestions. Oh, yeah. If anyone has any suggestions, send an uh, email to me. Uh, Pastor David Shalom. That's all one word. Pastor David Shalom at gmail.com. Send me an email. Um, you know, if you have a suggestion for what you'd like Sarah and me to cover next. So until then, God be with you and stay safe.